0: In Play with Pragmatic made possible by Horton in Britain, a worldwide supplier of engine cooling systems and proud member of the community for more than four decades. HortonWW.com. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Cragmatic. Today's guest has skyrocketed as a college football coach. Everywhere he's gone, The football program has seen success. His first head football coaching job was at the University of Sioux Falls, where he coached three national championship teams. That's, of course, after winning a national championship as a player at USF. And then after five years at USF, it was jobs of offensive coordinator at Southern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, Fresno State, Indiana, back to Fresno State to be the head coach for two years before getting the big break head coach of a Power Five conference school. And in his second year, he's got the Washington Huskies ranked in the top 10 in the country. He's got a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. He's the multi-sport athlete from Millbank, South Dakota, Kalen DeBoer. Kalen, welcome to M-Play.
1: Man, it is good to hear your voice, Craig. It takes me back uh... Couple years, and uh, thanks for having me on. That's for sure. You know, Uh, talking
0: talking to you today. You know, it's your bye week for the uh, Washington Huskies. You're five and zero overall, two and zero in the big or the Pac-12. So we really do appreciate uh, the time, Kalen. Of course, ranked number seven in the country. You know, after playing college football at the University of Sioux Falls, you became an assistant coach at uh, at Sioux Falls, Washington. Could you have ever thought at that time that you would become a coach at a power five school?
1: No, not really. You know, never, never really was about that. It never has been. Um, it just kind of, as you go on your journey and, and different things happen and you get around the right people, um, you know, just been really blessed and fortunate to to have those, uh, those times come. And, and uh, that, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Even just then I, I loved, uh, the two years I spent at Sioux Falls, Washington there under Kim Nelson and, you know, uh, Wayne Carney is the athletic director, um, man, just, uh, that was a blast. You know, I could have coached high school football forever just, uh, on those two years alone, but the college, uh, the college world sucked me in soon after <laughs> here we are.
0: Did you have that deer in the headlight, headlight look, uh, when you were at Washington early on for the, for the Warriors?
1: Uh, you know, I, I, got a chance to be the head sophomore coach
0: that first year and
1: just having a chance to try to put together an offense. I mean, there was some things I probably was really awful at, but, um, we all, we all know, I mean, uh, you know, some of the coaches there at that time and, and uh, Jim Trepp, the basketball coach, you know, we coached together on that team and that, again, it was, it was about having fun. And, and we had some great kids that even went on to play some college football, um, on that team. And, just, uh, you know, the experience that you're trying to give the kids, it was almost like this, I was having that experience as well to where uh, I really enjoyed coaching and saw, you know, the value in it very quickly and early in my career.
0: You grew up in Millbank. You loved football, but you also loved baseball. So what was sports like in the DeBoer family up in Millbank in the late 80s and early 90s?
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was one of those where, you know, just um, in Millbank, you know, you kind of had to do it all. You know, you played, like you said, all the sports, and um, I mean, I just loved the the baseball, the football, the basketball in particular, and uh, you know, just uh, every season. That season was the my favorite sport, you know, and um, you know, some great experiences. I had some great coaches, um, Boyd Sussex, uh, the basketball coach, just a you know huge influence in my life. Steve Rice uh, through my sophomore years, football coach Mike Bush um you know it's football I mean just all guys that uh you know you all are familiar with uh Mm -hmm. because of their careers in the state Um, you know I think those experiences that I had then uh really you know shaped were a part of shaping who I am today you know and the value of a coach and not taking that title too lightly um just because I know that impact that uh we had with some great experiences uh Came short on a few a couple of years uh, there at the high school level uh, in a couple of those sports that uh, where we had some really good teams, but fell short. Um, that was certainly disappointing, but it might even be the pieces that helped motivate uh, me to go on and, and make the most of uh, the college experiences and even to
0: this day. Millbank has had some great football coaches over the years. Kayla, and of course, you mentioned uh, Steve Rice, but Kim Nelson, Rick Swenson, Raleigh Greeno, Jeremy Tostenson, mm-hmm. of course. Brian Almendinger is there right now, but wow, they they really do love their football and they've had success with coaches up there.
1: It is. I mean, it just, you know, there's kind of a, when I was, especially back in uh, Sioux Falls, uh, all those years coaching colleges, it seemed like Melbank was always brought up. uh, I can't say it was the center of the state, uh, even for sure geographically, but it just seemed like, you know, there was always someone tied to Melbank that, um, you know, was involved in the football world that was, um, you know, doing some special things and, yeah, some great coaches, that's for sure.
0: You know, you were a pretty good receiver there for Milbank and the Bulldogs. But before you, this was probably maybe nine years before you were a senior, 1983, Millbanks in the championship game in the Dome taking on Belle Fouche, and it was Jeff Fisher who was the big-time wide receiver. In fact, he still got the 11A record for 11 receptions in the championship game. Do you remember that, that game at all?
1: You know, I don't. And here's why is uh, I actually grew up in a smaller town, Corona, just uh, north of Melbank and uh, grade school. And that's where my my family, uh, you know, was really from. Um, The school shut down uh, when I was in sixth grade. And that's when I went to the big city, you know, (laughs) Melbank there. And, and, uh, you know, that was quite a move. So a lot of those um, times and, you know, uh, the history of Melbank, uh, I was still learning. Even Kim Nelson, I remember you know, I never really, you know, met him. I was really, you know, young at the time. And um, I remember a couple games uh, while I was in middle school, I think, right when that time frame was happening and then uh, he was moving on too. So I don't have a lot of those memories, um, but, you know, um, you know, it, you know, the city is small and so, you know, I know a lot of those people, uh-huh. uh, you know, of course.
0: Well, Milbank, I believe, made it to the Dome your freshman year. I think it was 1989. Yep. You played winner for the title. Did you happen to get in the game at all uh, that that day? Yeah, I
1: was. At, I, I did. I did go to the game.
0: Yeah. Um, well, oh, we, went to we the were, game. Yeah. We, we,
1: <laughs> at that time, really freshmen. Uh-huh. Um, you know there was enough enrollment. The rosters were big enough. Um, freshmen did not really travel at that time, and so uh, you know, not even really suiting up at that time. So,
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: think I think just physically, it was kind of maybe the year after where you know, I kind of developed and and grew up and matured to where, you know, you know, you were able to compete at that level, uh, whether it be basketball, football, um, you know, the other sports.
0: 1992, your senior year, that was the best chance for the Bulldogs to make it to the Dome. You guys were ranked number one that year. What happened?
1: (laughs) Uh, You want me to explain it? uh, Yeah, that's uh, that was a fun year. Um, Really gave me that, uh, I don't know, that, that feel and love for, for the game um, because the experiences were so amazing. Uh, Coach Bush was, uh, you know, we put together a good team there um, the year before. We were, I think, under 500, but a lot of returners. And, um, yeah, we were undefeated. Uh, lost in the semis to Vermillion um, at home. Uh, it was a kind of an eerie night, uh, one of those uh, kind of – you know, it was, the fog was in the air, um, a lot of snow surrounding the field, um, you know, but we came up short. We had a, we had a good lead going in the fourth quarter and, and uh, turned the ball over and some things like that and lost like literally in the last minute of the game, mm-hmm. maybe with a minute left or so, mm-hmm. um, lost by one point. So probably one of the, the major heartbreaking losses I know that I was a part of uh, over many years, even coaching college.
0: After Millbank, you choose the University of Sioux Falls to go play football. What about the Cougars? They, they didn't have a lot of success in football. What, you had a lot of success on the high school field. What, what made you choose USF?
1: Yeah, I think um, really a lot of my recruitment um, came down to South Dakota, um, and that was to play linebacker. Um, in fact, uh, Jim Glagowski uh, was involved in uh, my recruitment, who's now the, you know, at USF as the head football coach because um, he was a defensive player there and um it came I didn't, I didn't really feel like I wanted to play defense I wanted to play you know a receiver and um coach young you know struck the right chords at the time uh to make me feel like I could be a big part of uh you know what was happening there and you know I just really you know I loved the city of Sioux Falls and uh saw that opportunity and so again like you said it wasn't Like, they were winning a lot of games, you know, a lot of 500 seasons. Um, Our freshman year, we were 2-8, and Um, but it certainly grew from there because of a a solid group of returners um, and guys in my freshman class that just kind of hung in there and hung together.
0: Yeah, talk about timing. You choose USF, and so did some left-handed kid from Wyoming who played quarterback. His name was Curtis Riggs, and eventually you, too, Lead the Cougars to their first national championship in football. When did things start to click between you and Curtis on the football field?
1: Yeah, I think uh, even just in my freshman year, I, mean, I remember the dorm room. I was a couple, couple of rooms down, and by uh, you know, by you know, a few weeks into it, I think uh, we just connected, uh, you know, and hung out a lot. Um, you know, I always. I, I was, I guess if there was one thing I was really smart at, it was like be best friends with the quarterback <laughs> when you're a receiver. Right. You know? So, um, but yeah, we just hung out a lot. And I think uh, probably the work ethic uh, we each had and the focus just to want to, you know, do great things on the football field. Um, you know, it just, it was a lot of fun. We hung out a lot. And then, uh, you know, as time went on, especially in the latter years, their junior senior year um, there really became this intense, like, you know, let's, let's win a championship. And I think it wasn't just us too. It was a lot of other guys that we were surrounded with that, you know, all motivated each other to do uh, some big things. And, you know, we put everything into it, you know, to win that championship in 96.
0: The football facilities at USF when you were there, well, really there were none. Okay, let's let's be uh, <laughs> factful on that. Your practice field was right in the middle yeah. of the campus and only 50 yards. I mean, what was going through your mind at the time with facilities at USF? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think about that once in a while and I think about how important the privacy is, you know, and we don't want anyone watching our practices <laughs> nowadays. And we were in the middle of campus and anyone at any time could have watched. It's just mind boggling to me. But uh <laughs> yeah, it wasn't much. Um, you know, it was it was grass and by, you know, week three or four of the season, especially if a, a rainstorm came through, um, there was no grass left uh the rest of you know, the rest of the year or so um and then you know the weight room we called it the dungeon for a reason right you know and obviously the facilities are much better now than they were then but again it was just the right people um and it kind of has always proved to me it's not about what you have it's who you who you have and mm. who you surround yourself with and we just had the right coaches with coach young and and uh, the staff along with uh you know some some players that uh you know really believed in each other and had great hearts and great work ethics and Um, you know, um, some pretty good talent too.
0: 3,400 yards, receiving 33 touchdowns, 234 receptions as a receiver at USF. You mentioned coach young, Bob Young was your coach. Bob just passed away here this last January. What influence did, did Bob have on you?
1: Yeah, I mean, to to this day, um, I mean, he's a part of every recruit presentation I have, you know, it's a, it's a picture, it's a picture or two, um, one is a, I was a player for him. It's another one uh, where he, you know, made a trip out to Wyoming uh, when I was a head coach at Fresno State a couple of years back. And, you know, it's a bunch of us that are uh, alumni and played together, you know, and it's a picture after the game with him. And, uh, this, you know, the, the, the story I tell is really how it is. Um, you know, he – during those, I think, very influential times in my life, uh, which is that for everyone in college, that's um, an important time. And uh, his impact is – is is, is, it's impossible to explain, Um, you know, probably that small town kid uh, from Melbank or Corona, you know, and uh, just instilling the confidence, uh, you know, and having some memories, um, understanding how to build relationships. And then of course, just kind of watching him work every day as far as what he put into loving his players and how to bring a team together. And then I got to see it again, you know, from 2000 to 2004 as uh, his assistant. And uh, I mean, he just I don't know if I could do what he did where he just turned over, you know, offensive coordinator duties to, a, you know, to a kid, really, um, that was barely out of college, uh, just a year or two. And so, um, I mean, just his belief. and, And then, you know, I think in the end, it was always us as players. And I know even working for him. Um, it was about, man, I just, I, I'm not letting this guy down. You know, that's really what it came down to because you knew he was doing everything he could
0: for you. Well, Bob Young retired at USF. Uh, you were the offensive coordinator for four years, but he wanted you to succeed him. He must've felt that you were ready to become a head coach for the first time.
1: No, I don't think I felt, I, I don't know. I don't think you're ever ready. Um, And, you know, it, when it is your alma mater and, um, you know, if you can keep a lot of the pieces and Chuck Morrell was a huge piece of that. John Anderson was a huge piece of that where you got people you trust by your side. I think in the, that first year, especially, um, you know, in a lot of continuity with players and, um, you know, a lot of uh, alumni, I think that really, you know, if, if Coach Young wasn't going to be the coach, uh, we got to keep it in house. Um, there are just certain ways we did things. There was a culture. There was a standard um, you know, and expectations. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, that, that gave me a lot of confidence in that. Um, and, you know, we, we, we reached pretty good heights there. I yeah, think, uh, we worked efficiently and, and, uh, you know, we really had a mentality there that, uh, we continued to build on.
0: Yeah. Five years as head coach, you go to f- the national championship game four times and you win it three times. One more note on, on coach young, did he, uh, before he uh, gave the keys uh, to the, Football job to you? Was there any anything that he said to you about being the next coach?
1: I don't, I don't. I mean, I think it was always you. You know, it wasn't just one moment. I think it was, you know, there was kind of a, a little bit of a heads up um, even before that season. Um, he just, you know, didn't want it to be this uh, final hurrah. And, and I don't know, maybe he didn't know for sure, but it, he kind of felt like this might be it. Um, so but there might have been just overall it's a lot of these like you know him making sure like you understood this is how we do this <laughs> you know don't mess um, it up <laughs> it, it don't mess yeah just a lot of those type of moments and and uh you know culture stuff but also just you know the the strategies and and things that he wanted to make sure he had one more chance to instill in you and and you know make sure you you, you truly understood you know what it all took
0: Kaelin, I shake my head today knowing how small of a football staff you had at USF and what you have today for a staff at the University of Washington. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the staff list runs (laughs) like three pages for the Huskies. How do you keep track of such a huge staff at Washington?
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, our staff meetings at Sioux Falls and I'll never forget Eric Inama, who is the D coordinator now down at Lindenwood for Jed Stugart. Um, I remember him walking into, uh, a meeting we call, I guess we called it a staff meeting, uh, after, after our national championship, uh, in January there that one year, but, uh, you know, a staff meeting for me was just walking down the hall and standing between John Anderson and Chuck Morell's office and just giving them the, you know, the lowdown on what was to come. Um, you know, I mean, there was obviously organization. I'm kind of downplaying it a little bit, but, uh-huh. you know, uh, it was it was that easy, you know, to, to communicate with your whole staff. And there's a lot of part-time coaches, you know, Curtis Riggs and a lot of other coaches there that uh, were especially alumni um, that work day jobs and you know showed up to practice and would come uh, watch the film at night Mm. you know we really became close but yeah it's it's crazy when you sit around a table now in a staff room and there's 40 50 people you know that are there working and and doing their job here at University of Washington and it goes well beyond that when you count the managers and academics and training staff Um, you know it's a it's a lot of people but Hire the right people, put themselves, put them around you and, uh, you know, give them some guidance, give them some organization and, uh, let them work, you know, and not try to micromanage them too much. Uh, that's kind of the formula and the thing that I try to do each and every day.
0: You even have a social media coach and an NIL coach. I mean, well, oh my goodness, where have we gone over the last few years? It's crazy. (laughs) I
1: do. I do. And it's, uh, there's a lot of those, yeah, the, the social media piece is so critical and, um, you know they're constantly reminding me that uh, hey we're putting this out and uh, you know you got to view everything because everything they put out is a representation of our program. So, you know I'm watching a lot of uh, 30 second, minute and a half videos uh, looking for details and um, you know I have other coaches too that that eyeball it just to make sure I don't miss something. So there's a, there's a lot of pieces to it. NIL is also involved uh, you know a big part of that and takes up a lot of the time each and every each and every day. Um, you know, there's, there's something that, uh, you know, is NIL related. And, uh, even just yesterday, I mean, we went down to Adidas headquarters, you know, in Portland and did some things down there. And Alaska airlines, uh, is a central hub here in Seattle. So a lot of stuff that we're doing there, they're a huge, uh, su- you know, support for us. So mm. a huge partner with us. So a lot of NIL, a lot of, uh, just public relations stuff that we're, we're doing every day.
0: After so much success at the University of Sioux Falls, you decide to leave for Southern Illinois. And then over the next 10 years, you're not a head coach, but you're an offensive coordinator. It's Southern Illinois and Eastern Michigan, Fresno State, Indiana. Boy, a lot of moving over, that t- over those 10 years. Um, what was that 10 years like, not being the head guy, but being the guy in charge of the offense?
1: Yeah, I think first of all, once you, once you make that first move from a place where, you know, you're at like Sioux Falls for 10 years, and I tell a lot of young coaches this, I tell a lot of people get into the profession. I mean, once you make that first move, um, expect, and especially at the division one level, um, expect more moves to follow, you know, and it's hard. It's, you know, if, I'm so appreciative of my family, uh, Nicole and Alexis and Avery. Um, just, you know, they've been in a lot of, uh, the kids have been in a lot of, uh, different schools and, had to meet a lot of different friends. They've been on a lot of different sports teams, uh, you know, in the school or travel travel teams. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's it's there's there's great things to it because I think they've uh, developed some skills um, in, you know, making friends and being comfortable in different places. But there's also sometimes, you know, maybe not the close, you know, best friends that you develop uh, when you you're at the same place from you know, age, you know, whatever to, you know, through high school. And so we moved around a lot, Um, you know, four years at Southern Illinois, three years at Eastern Michigan, two years at Fresno, one year at Indiana. There was kind of a trend it went four, three, two. I'm like, there's no way it's just going to be one year at Indiana. And sure enough, you know, it was one year there and then,
0: Fresno State. Back out to
1: Fresno yep, to be Back the out head, to coach. To be head coach. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yep. Um, yep. You know, so we look at what you did at all the schools and at Fresno, and you know, at Fresno State, you win the Mountain West Conference in 2021. But everywhere you go, it's offensive records. Every place you've been, where did the offensive mind come from?
1: Uh, I think. I think that um, it's just it's been a it's been built over time, and we don't have the uh, I mean, the, the the concepts are the same. Uh, and then you just build off those families of concepts. Um, and I think just there's been a, a play calling piece that, uh, you know, is a field that has now become, you know, um, just more and more, uh, you know, a part of it. Um, I mean, I don't call the plays anymore. Ryan Grubb, who was with us at uh, Sioux Falls, does an amazing job. He's done it the last four years now going back to 2020 at Fresno State. But, Um, you know, I appreciate what he paid attention to because I think there was a, there's an art to it. I think, uh, he's really, um, you know, been able to dive into, to making our offense special, um, and taking it, uh, those families of concepts and plays and, and helping them come to life. Of course, the players are the ones that have to execute it. And so I Mm -hmm. think there's a big part of teaching that's involved, a big part of organization even before that for your staff and for the players. Um, you know, but it's just been developed over time. And as technology becomes better and better, you're able to quickly um, dive into, you know, what is other teams are doing and how that might fit into your offense. Um, The last thing I would just say is, you know, you're, you're able to spend more time as you get to a higher level, focusing just on becoming a better offensive coach or offensive coordinator. And, um, you know, at Sioux Falls, it was a, a lot of uh, head coaching duties, especially there in 2006 to, or five through nine years. So it's been cool developing um, as a head coach, um, but also those times and years as an offensive coordinator were, were really fun as well.
0: Football's been very good to Kalen DeBoer. 2021 at Fresno State, and then all of a sudden, the level of football is about to get bigger. University of Washington is watching you, and they want to interview you. Here's a South Dakota kid coaching football and doing a pretty good job at it. Now, a Power Five school wants to talk with you. What was that interview process like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're always a little bit different um, depending on the situation. But, I mean, in all honesty, it happened really fast. You know, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and we're playing at San Jose State and get that wind, and then. Uh, you know, some some interviews and the process moved along fast. I think they had narrowed down kind of who they really wanted to focus on, and we really hit it off um, during those uh, those times, uh, you know, on the phone and Zoom calls and, and other, other you know, communication. Um, and, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you're getting an opportunity on a Monday morning and, you know, you're in front of a whole new team by Monday night, you know. Mm. And so, mm. um, you know, I loved Fresno State. Uh, just, you know, the three places I've been at are amazing Falls, Fresno State, and now Washington. There's there's bones in the program that are championship uh, caliber and and expectations. Um, And Fresno State was that. And the people accepted me in as the head coach with open arms. Um, And it was really hard to leave. Uh, We were doing something special there at uh, Fresno. And, you know, I just knew that the opportunity here was uh, too good to pass up, though. And uh, it's been an amazing two years here. Um, with the staff and with the players that we have in the community as well.
0: Well, before you said yes to Washington, um, that conversation with you and your wife, Nicole, um, what was that like? I mean, she's been so supportive of you over these years.
1: Yeah. We've moved enough to where there comes a point where – you know, an interview might be happening and, uh, you kind of just like sit down and and maybe, and, you know, it's usually at the end of November, right. Early December. And, uh, she kind of could feel that was maybe one of those conversations and the apple cup, uh, which is the Washington, Washington state rivalry game was on that Friday night. And, um, that was kind of right when everything was happening. And so, uh, we were watching that together and I had already kind of given her a heads up and she knew that, uh, you know, there were some conversations happening. And so it hadn't been a done deal, but you know, I think she understood like, wow, this is, this is a a really cool opportunity. And, um, you know, like you said, she's a trooper and, uh, you know, was always going to do what we ever felt was best for our family. And, you know, and this was that, that time and the right opportunity.
0: Two daughters, uh, how old are they now?
1: Seventeen and eleven. Alexis is a senior in high school at Bellevue High School here, just uh, across Lake Washington, which is a couple miles uh, from Seattle. And then uh, my youngest is uh, Avery, is a sixth grader. So uh, and she's uh, yeah doing well. So they love football. Uh, they love being around the football team. They love game days. I'm very
0: lucky that way. You mentioned uh, Ryan Grubb, Chuck Morell. Um, guys that you guys go all the way back to the University of Sioux Falls and even before that. It, it says something when people you work with follow you all around the country and those two guys. I know Chuck was at Montana Tech for a while, but it says something about t- two guys. What does it say about three South Dakota guys um, playing at, or coaching at a Power 5 school?
1: Yeah, I think it just, I mean, first of all, the loyalty piece, I mean, it, it goes both ways. I mean, these these are guys that, uh, you know, it's it beyond just, and they're really good football coaches. I mean, you know, we've developed a relationship, I mean, you know, built on trust and, I mean, even love, you know. And, um, um, you know, just, I think it shows, I guess, that, you know, there was, a, I mean, the, the level of coaching that I think was happening, um, even at the small college level, uh, and the growth that was that was happening, and just, you know, I know that there was a mindset where we can always do something a little better, and we we're able to be critical because of the relationship uh, we had. We were able to be critical with each other and push each other to be better, um, which I think, and again, players make plays, and our guys made the plays to help us win championships at Sioux Falls, but just, you know, all the processes we had in place. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think we just pushed each other to be our best. We continue to do that this day, uh, just not, not getting defensive when someone, you know, calls you out and, or, or, you know, approaches you with something that uh, is an area maybe we can improve. And I think that's a, a huge piece to a lot of our staff, not just those, those uh, two and myself. I think that's a lot of what our staff is, is there's a philosophy that, you know, we're in it for the right reasons for these, these players, these student-athletes, um, and we want to give them that experience just like I had, you know, when I was at Sioux Falls as a player under Coach Young, um, that this is one of the greatest times in their life.
0: In your travels uh, from USF to Southern Illinois, Indiana, Fresno State, where, along the, way, where it, along the way did it prepare you the most for where you are today?
1: Yeah, every piece is added something. Um, I think building a team, uh, a championship-level team, um, really goes to the roots of Sioux Falls. You know, love and trust for each other. Um, You know, doing anything uh, for the team first, and then the individual accolades will come. Um, You know, at Southern Illinois, we were in tight games every single week in the Missouri Valley. And the play calling and just being able to you know, handle the, those end of game moments and learning that uh, I think happened there. I think building a team in uh, Eastern Eastern Michigan was probably the, the hardest job of them all, um, taking a program that really had no history. I mean, it had been 30 years since they'd been in a bowl game, I think 1987. And, um, you know, building a culture, um, you know, that was uh, one of you know really bottom end to a winning culture that exists today uh and just seeing on being under a coach like coach Creighton uh, who was so convicted in how he wanted things done and then going to Fresno State I took a lot of just uh what we had done offensively And, and Jeff Tedford is a masterful just head coach um organizational wise but he was known as like an offensive guru and uh Really, when it comes to quarterbacks, um, you know, he coached like Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of other guys, Ke- Akili Smith, you know, and just, uh, you know, these top end guys. And uh, it kind of built a lot of just confidence in what we were doing and how we were doing it. Um, and then, you know, added a few things in how he organized his program, going to Tom Allen at Indiana, more on just building a team culture and being convicted in who you are. Um, all those things have lent to, you know, where we're at today.
0: When you were at the University of Sioux Falls, I remember getting a chance to interview you once a week uh, during the season. Yeah, what is yeah. what is media availability like now at the University of Washington? Yeah, it, it uh, it's
1: different as you go through the season, but um, I mean, it's as simple as early in the season. Um, you have your, your Monday press conferences and you know, uh, Tuesday is for the players. Uh, Wednesday is for the coaching staff again, um, you know, to have media availability and that's all after practice. And then really you, you have, uh, national media, you have different types of interviews, maybe, um, you know, might be on serious radio or any of those, uh, national, national broadcasts. but, Mm -hmm. um, then you get your press conferences on Saturday, you know, after the game, but as we get into the season and, you know, especially with where we're at right now, um, it becomes a lot more mm-hmm. intense and a lot more uh, opportunities, which is great for our program. Yep. You know, we get to get to talk about our kids and our program, um, and that's what it's all about. It's so much fun doing it. So, um, a lot of that uh, as we go into next uh, week, um, a big home game against Oregon, and each of us are, are ranked highs, number seven and number eight in the country, and both undefeated. Um, there is a lot of attention, and a lot of people that will be coming to campus, not just on the phone, but uh, in person. You know, and it's uh, it's one thing for us, but it's another thing for our players too. You know, who, you know, our student athletes going to class, you know, getting prepared to play the game at a high level, and uh, then also just you know, cutting hours out of their out of their week, you know, to to be available for the media. So um, it's cool. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta love it and enjoy it, and um, you know, I do.
0: Well, you've got a Heisman Trophy a candidate as your quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. Where did you run into him?
1: Yeah, you bet. Uh, you know, in 2019, I got a chance to go to Ind- when I went to Indiana to be the OC. Um, he was a redshirt freshman; had come off a knee injury his his uh, his uh, fall before that, and so I didn't even have him uh, my my spring and summer, and even part of fall camp. Um, had another good quarterback, really good quarterback, Peyton Ramsey. Um, But we had a quarterback competition, and um, Michael ended up winning the job, um, played about six games that year, and suffered another injury. So I didn't have him for the last half of the season. But uh, you could see what he is capable of doing. And when I left, you know, he continued to have a great year in 2020 there at Indiana. 2021 was a lot tougher. You know, the 2020 season was short with COVID, but he didn't make it through the 2021 season and it was just time for him to have a new start and uh, he had entered the portal and then it was soon after that where actually I got the job here at Washington and we got reconnected and he knew what our offense was going to be all about and we'd have the same system uh, he played under when I was there and um, you know I knew what he was all about and the, the you know worlds collided in a good way and you know, we we needed a quarterback uh, to come in, and he was he was the guy. And we had the skilled players around him, and we have a solid offensive line. He saw that, and he was excited. And uh, he's just a superhuman being. Um, leads our team. He's, uh, you know, I mean, he's a superstar in the community, and uh, you know, lives up to that in every way. Um, so he's a he's a he's a blessing to have in our program for sure.
0: Husky stadium there in Seattle, it seats, uh, what 68,000 fans. It's full every, every week when you're home. Is there any time before the game or at any time that you can just kind of just stand there and take a breath and take a moment and think about all the folks in Millbank or South Dakota, where you've come from, are you able to do that once in a while? Yeah, it's been really cool. I mean,
1: it, you know, I know last year, uh, the early part of the season, I, I think I, Probably had a moment there where you kind of realize, you know, wow, this is this is unreal. My office overlooks the stadium, which then overlooks the lake, um, and that's Lake Washington, and it's a beautiful setting. And we have what's called gating. so there's uh, uh, anywhere up to a couple hundred boats that might be out there on that lake, just dropping anchor and hanging out pregame. Um, so it's it's something different than you've ever seen before. But um, a lot of people have come out, you know, uh, to see me uh, here the last two years and. You know, it's just, uh, it means so much, you know, to have friends and teammates and, of course, relatives. Uh, There's a lot of different people coming out to to see, you know, what we're doing here and and uh, enjoy it, you know, for a weekend or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly lucky to be in this spot. And don't take that lightly, you know, don't take it for granted. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't change my path for anything. A lot of people get the opportunity early in their careers to be in a place like this but I think it's the path and the journey that really makes it special.
0: Two quick questions left for you, Kalen. You were inducted into the USF Sports Hall of Fame 2015. What did that mean to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's always, um, I know it's an individual award, but to me that's about our team, you know, and all the teammates I had. and You know, them motivating me, and of course, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do what I did without, you know, great players, uh, Blocking and and throwing and and um, you know throwing the ball to me. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a lot of those things. That was a special time. Um, and you know, shape two I am gave me a lot of confidence in a lot of different ways. And uh, you know, it's a place that also you know not just a player but a coach. You know, and that um, those five years and really ten years, but five years as head coach. Uh, you, you know, you pour something, you pour more into a program. You're giving everything you got. I think as as a coach and as a player, but when you're a head coach and there's just so many inner workings um, that you're involved with uh, and you're trying to pull it all together, um, there's just a level of like investment I think that goes above and beyond when you're a head coach and that place will always be special to me for sure.
0: You get a lot of fans uh, here in South Dakota, Kalen. and of course, what next year? Washington officially what gets in the Big Ten. Yeah, we can't wait we can't wait for that here in the midwest i mean what do you think you get get to see you play in nebraska or iowa or minnesota up here in the midwest
1: yeah that's uh (laughs) and there'll be the schedule coming out here very soon too so um you know and so those trips uh, out east would certainly be something where uh you know be some familiarity for me uh be different for our guys and our team uh, for the most part but um, you know, it's, it's crazy just, uh, you know, how things have changed in college football and continue to change, you know, Washington being in the big 10, um, and, you know, it'll be a, a grind of a schedule. Um, but I would also tell you say that, uh, you know, our PAC 12 schedule right now, we have six teams in the top 25. Um, we have five of them, you know, uh, left on the, on the season. Uh, so, you know, we're used to that and, uh, we just focus on playing one game at a time, but it's going to be a fun challenge. And, uh, I mean, you know, opportunities to reconnect with people,
0: you know, from back home, I'm sure, uh, throughout the, the upcoming years in play with Craig Matic is made possible by Horton in Britain, where smiling at work happens all the time. Apply now at Horton www.com. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Madden. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.